in order to stay the course, we need discipline. And I said last week, the discipline is not a dirty word. <clears throat> Amen. <laughs> discipline is not a dirty word. Although if you would go into Kroger on any given day and there's someone there with their children, you may think it's a dirty word. <laughs> I'm on fire this morning, but you're really ice cold. It's okay. Um, parents discipline their children. They're supposed to, right? That's right, grandma. They're supposed to, okay? Uh, they're supposed to discipline their kids. Bosses, whether you like it or not, are supposed to discipline their employees. If you need some course correcting at work, then the only place you can get that is from someone in authority over you who knows how to help coach you in the right direction. So drill sergeants, they, they discipline their recruits. Um, we think about discipline in these areas. My wife is a teacher, has been for years, and she disciplines her students. Uh, this is not a bad thing. They probably need more discipline than she can give them on most days. Amen. And here's the thing that we'll talk about today. God, in his goodness, disciplines us, his children. When I played football in junior high and high school, I really enjoyed it. But the thing that I hated was the constant conditioning. You'd run and run and run until your slap wore out. <laughs> and then you'd hear these words or this word, again! <laughs> and you... <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm going to die, you know, and you, but you'd have to start running again. If you've been in sports, you know that maybe some of you didn't have the pleasure of hearing that word again, but that is something that really applies to our spiritual life as well, because God does discipline his children and it's not all bad. In fact, the job of a coach is to make players do what they don't want to do in order to achieve something they've never achieved. Our God's goal is to get us to do stuff that we might not be comfortable with doing to get us to the place where he wants us. What place is that? That is the place where we are mistaken for his son. Where we, according to the scripture and the way that the King James says it, until the likeness of Christ be formed in me. So we need to think about these things. You've probably heard that phrase, no pain, no gain. Um, it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to, it's easy to say those words, but it's hard to live out that statement. So in order to stay the course and become a spiritual giant, a spiritual champion, you say, I'm just struggling to survive this life. God wants bigger and better things for each one of us. And in order to get us to that next level of, if you want to call it in the you know football analogies, the next level of the league or the competition, we've got to do something that we've never done before. And we've got to have the right attitude when we do it. The hard truth is that spiritual growth does not occur without pain. This is evident on every page inside of God's word. That spiritual growth of the individuals that you've studied from Sunday school days until now, those people's lives were changed as a result of the pain that they endured, that they trusted God through and then walked out the other side 
victoriously. The same thing is true. We shouldn't distance ourselves so far from the word of God that we don't think it applies to us in that way because our life is similar in that respect. This is a harsh reality, but it comes with a joyful result that spiritual growth occurs in our lives and it does not occur without pain. The writer of Hebrews and other writers in the Bible refer to this pain as the word discipline. I shared with you a few thoughts on discipline last week, but I want you to look up at this verse or you can go in your own Bible app to your version if you'd like. It says this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? So in this case, discipline is not the spiritual practice of I need discipline in my life in order to read the word of God, in order to pray, in order to fast. It's not that. This discipline is hardship or spiritual conditioning that you and I have to go through in this life in order to spiritually grow. And it comes in the form of tests and suffering and trials And tribulations. So the question is, have you ever considered that those tests, trials, and sufferings that you're facing are actually ordained by God and it's God's way of disciplining you? Most of us see these times as times to be avoided. We don't we don't accept that pain is easy or good or fun or enjoyable. So we do everything we can to avoid those things. Have you, have you thought about that though? Because I think sometimes when we look at our lives, we get to the place where we're trying to assess or lay blame and we're quick to say that the devil's just trying to get in my life. He's just trying to ruin my job and my marriage and my, Sometimes we might be self-aware enough to think that we're the cause of that problem. But most often we, we don't have enough mirrors around us to tell us that. But have you ever really thought, maybe this is God helping me? So instead of saying, God, why me, why me, why me? And having a pity party, maybe we should start asking the question, God, what are you trying to teach me by shacking me up with this individual at my job that I can't get rid of, I can't stand, I don't want to be around? Sorry, that was, okay. Um, What are you trying to teach me in the midst of this hardship, financially or directionally or in my family or with my career, whatever it is, what are you trying to teach me? Look at what the whole passage says. And it's funny that my wife, I don't find it funny. Let me say it to you like this very clearly. I find it amazing that my wife was led of the Lord to read Hebrews chapter 12, verse one and two this morning. She does not clear my notes. She does not approve them or look at them beforehand. I do not talk to her beforehand. I just want to tell you that so that you understand the Holy Spirit works and he wants to speak through this passage today. Look at what verse four says. It says, in your struggle against sin, have you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood? And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when you are, that word reproved means corrected by him. 
For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. I want you to leave that on the screen for a minute, Kathy. The Lord disciplines the one he loves. Now, you've got to have the right perspective of what discipline entails in order to understand that it comes from a place of love. Discipline should never be angry punishment because my, you know, you didn't do what I wanted you to do. Discipline should be something that causes you to change course or to start making corrective action. We discipline our children. Why? Not because we enjoy it, but because we are trying to mold and shape them into the person that we believe God wants them to be. And some of them resist with all their might. I've seen it in my house. I'm not talking about your house. I've seen it in my house. Listen to what it says in verse 7. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you, and we'll replace that word there. The original writers obviously said sons, but as children. So females, listen up. This is not just for your husband. It's for you, okay? God is treating you as children. For what child is there whom the father does not discipline? Look at what it goes on to say. If you are left without discipline in which all have participated... then you're not really his kid. Ah, you're not, you can go home and turn on the TV and you're not going to see a preacher preaching on this. <laughs> okay? If you are left without discipline in which all have to do, uh, everybody, if you're going to sign up for the military, there's no, hey, I'm taking a nap while y'all go and do your drill. That, that, that doesn't happen. If you're going to sign up to be on a team, there's no like, hey, I just didn't feel like coming this weekend. I know it's Saturday morning at six. I had other plans to sleep in. There's none of that. God is saying through this this passage, the writer of Hebrews is communicating that same thing. If you don't have discipline, if you're not given these things in your life, which all have to endure, then you are considered illegitimate children and not his sons. Besides this, We have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained according to it or by it. So discipline, as we defined it last week, is really about getting under control. If you need discipline in your eating habits, your sleeping habits, your financial habits, it's about reining those things in and getting them under control. But the word discipline that's mentioned here in this passage, I want you to listen to me, is really important because the context here is a little bit different. And I want to tell you, the Bible was written by people who were not named John Grisham. So I'm going to help you just unpack that for a second. What that means is these aren't novel writers. 
who are writing some, the, these are, these are writers who are writing essentially short stories in short form to try to pack a punch and make sure that you understand it. So this passage alone, the word discipline appears 10 times in this short passage. So the writer of Hebrews is definitely trying to pack a punch and make sure that we understand what this is. What discipline is, according to this context, it is God's express effort in my life to realign my will to his. He is trying to control me and I should let him. He, he desires control of my life and partnership with me to allow him to do so is necessary. So discipline in this passage is God's effort in my life to realign my will to his. It is meant to draw us away from the things that cause us to stumble. That's what God's discipline is in our life. It's meant, us, it's meant to lead us into his likeness to become more like him. It's a spiritual maturing process. And unfortunately, there are many believers, not in this church, just in the other churches, that aren't mature because they resist the discipline of the Lord. I have moments in my life resisted the discipline of the Lord. And I've been worse off for it. You know, when my dad, not usually my mom, she did a few times, but when my dad would spank me, you can't call Dyfus because I'm already married and grown up now, but I can't believe that people do that these days, call people on people. Anyway, uh, listen, read the Bible. It says, okay, <laughs> not going to go there because we're going to talk about children in another message. But having said that, when my dad used to spank me, I would hear him say this. He never did it out of anger. He never did it in that moment. He always waited to cool down. He said, in about a half hour, I'm going to need you to meet me. You're going to come into my bedroom. And he would take his belt. And I'm telling you, I got the tar beat out of me a few times. Just a few times. And if he listens to this message, he'll probably disagree and be like, it was twice. But no, I remember many, many. Okay. Having said that, I would hear him say something that I thought was absolutely ridiculous. And I never knew my dad to lie about anything. He's an honest man of integrity, a man of God, since I've known him. And he would say, this is going to hurt you just as bad as it's going to hurt me. You lying son of a gun. <laughs> but there's truth in that because it hurts the father's heart to know that the character is not yet formed in the right places, that the behavior has not yet been adapted to, that they have not yet gone and stayed the right course and to have to course correct. I know it does not bring God pleasure to say, ooh, I can't just wait to punish and to, no, God is not up there doing that. His desire is to make you better. And the way he makes you better is not by making you richer or prettier or younger. The way he makes you better is to make you more like him. So here's what discipline is not. It is not punishment. We've got some younger folks in the audience today. You need to realize this yourselves, but us who are older need to remember this as well. That discipline is not punishment. 
It is not. Sometimes when hardships come, we think that these sufferings are the punishments for our sinfulness. If you're guilty of the same thought that I've had a time or two is, what have I done, God, to deserve this punishment? You, you might not be so bold in the way that you phrase it, but that's pretty much kind of where we are sometimes. But discipline is not punishment. It's not God's way of getting even. You need to understand this in order to understand who God is and what he's attempting to do in your life. You've got to know that he is not just seeking to punish you for no reason. It's not a means of retaliating for the wrong that you've committed. God's discipline is not the sentence for your sin. In fact, he disciplines us in order to win us back or get us back. He's drawing us back. He's not trying to get you back for that thing that you did. He's trying to get you back. He's trying to draw you back. This is so important. He wants to bring us back to his will and helping, helping us to stay the course in this time and avoid those things that will destroy us and will dull the image of God in us. So we should not refuse his discipline. Here's what God's role is in our life. If you've ever wanted to know, his role in your life is to make you look like his kid. <laughs> because you weren't until you chose to be and now that you claim to be, he wants you to be. So he, that's his whole role, his whole goal in each one of our lives is to make him, make us look like his son. So in order to do that, sometimes that means we endure hardship. Sometimes that means that we go through something that we didn't want to go through. Sometimes we go through something that takes longer than we ever thought it would or could. But God is trying to work things in our lives so that we would be more like his son. I believe with all of my heart, according to scripture, that God is sovereign over humanity. That means he holds absolute supreme power and he can allow things. Just read the story of Job, a righteous man. He can allow things to happen in our life, but they shape us to be more like his son. Paul told the Romans this in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. He said, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. It would be nice to just know that all things work together for good for anyone at any time in any place, but that is not the case. The word of God is clear. It's for those who are called according to his purpose. It's for his kids to be able to understand that we can see the handiwork of God. Paul told the Galatians in chapter four, verse 19 of the book, Galatians, that essentially he was experiencing childbirth pains I know some of you ladies are like, no, no, you weren't, Paul, okay? But he, he uh, associates it with having childbirth pains with the people in that city until Christ be formed in you. In other, in other words, I'm telling you these things I've told you already, and I'm trying to get you to stay the course in these areas of your life because I want the character of Christ, the likeness of him, to be formed in you. So unfortunate for some people, but really fortunate for everyone, is this, that God is a disciplinarian. 
Now, I don't know what your growing up life was like. I, I don't assume to know that. I think I was raised in a great family. I think uh, they're a little bit crazy. Uh, so am I. It happens. Um, but I feel like I had a good upbringing. I went to Christian schools. They worked, sweat. My, de- my parents, who were just here over the holidays, we were remembering some stories about days when he had to do what I'm doing, which is work two jobs. And he had to do this and do that. And we're talking through those things. And I, I can remember just that good sense of belonging in my family. And I didn't have the bad situation that some people do have. They may have had an abusive parent who beat on them in anger, in you know, drunken rage and all of that. That is not the assumption you should make when you come to understand who God is. He's so much different than those worst case scenarios that you've endured. But he is a disciplinarian and that's not a bad thing. He's like the coach who practices and drills and instructs his players so that they can be in top shape to go to top results. That they can actually achieve what they want. God is attempting to do that in our lives. And that as a character trait is something that we miss out on sometimes that he's a disciplinarian, but his discipline is a sign of a personal relationship. I discipline my children because I love them. I want you to hear me. I don't discipline my children simply because I want them to behave well with others. Although they do 95% of the time. I discipline them because I am raising them. God gave me them as my charge in this life to watch over and to guide, protect, but also to coach in this life. And some days are easier than others, but here's the point. The point is that discipline is a sign of relationship. Have you ever been disciplined by someone you didn't have a relationship with? How did that go? Who are you to tell me, right? I mean, that's kind of our our take on things. If there's a lack of personal relationship, look back at what it says there in verse six, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastises everyone he receives. It's not because he's psycho. It's because he's trying to get you to a place that you aren't yet. Amen. God is dealing with us as children, as his sons. His discipline flows out of a love for you and for I. I always thought that my dad lied to me when he said, this is going to hurt me as as bad as it hurts you. Because I thought, well, then give me the belt (laughs) and let me see what I can do. But when I became a parent of children of age that love to drift off into rebellious states (laughs) I I realized what that meant because it's hurt my heart too. I've had to spank my children before and there have been times that I've done it in tears because I I didn't want to. (laughs) I just, I knew I had to and I knew they needed it. We're his children, but unlike human parents, he never disciplines in anger. In fact, Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 24 says, if he did, he would destroy us, leaving us to nothing. If he really did, he may have to discipline us severely at times, but he'll never kill us. Psalm 118 tells us so. 
When faced with hardships or the hardships that come along with God's discipline, we should accept it as God's method of training us and start to ask that question, God, what are you teaching me? The next point is that God's discipline is rarely painless. I wish you could just go to a vending machine, push a button, get the drink out, drink the stuff and be done. But that's not how this works. In fact, that's, that's not how anything works. Okay. So if you set a 2020 goal to lose a hundred pounds or something crazy, you can't do that by just drinking a liquid, lemon juice and vinegar. It's not going to work. Okay. I've tried, I've tried it. Okay. But it's rarely painless. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, where we just read, it actually says it is painful rather than pleasant in that moment. But God disciplines us for an ultimate purpose. I truly believe that you can see the evidence of this throughout every story in scripture that he is disciplining us for an ultimate purpose. He doesn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed and choose to be grumpy that day and moody and say, Alakazam, I'm going to change this in their life and cause hardship. He, he is not like the earthly parent who may have a substance abuse issue, who beats on his children in anger. He disciplines for the ultimate purpose of you and I becoming more like him. It's been said that God comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. And I believe there's truth in that. He's willing to sacrifice your comfort and mine in order that we would get to the place that he desires us to be. And that flies in the face of everything that we feel good about because we, we want to stay in the place of comfort. But God's discipline seeks a finished product inside of each one of us. He does it for our good. Listen to the verse in verse 10 and 11. It says this, so that we can share in his holiness and that it would yield peaceful fruit of righteousness in our lives. Remember, all of this is hinged on the idea and the understanding that we have that there's not every road leads to heaven. That God actually has a desire for all humanity to be saved and to be with him. But for those who don't choose to do so, he, it's up to them. For those who do choose to be with him, he says, okay, you've chosen to sign up for this program. You've chosen to commit to this life. Then these are the things that are going to happen. Because I can't look at Paul's life and say, wow, what a beautiful mansion he had on the Roman hill side. But I can hear him talk about he's been shipwrecked and snake bit and poor and homeless and a vagabond essentially, but God. And that's the story that God wants to form in you and I's, you and I, in our lives. How about that? The signs that this is developing, like God's discipline is developing us in our life, causes an upward, an outward, and an inward product. It's very clear in these verses, in verse 10 and 11. Upward, it says that we become holy in our relationship. We become like him and set apart like God is. Outward, the Bible says that we're righteous. That means we are acting like God towards others. And inward, that we have God's peace. I love the testimony of scripture where Jesus is speaking and he says, my peace I leave with you and it's not like the world's peace. God's peace is something that can 
help you be stabilized in the midst of any hardship you face, whether it was brought on by you, whether it was allowed by the enemy, or whether it was God's doing in your life. God's peace that passes all human understanding can be ours if we accept his discipline. So it all hinges on our response. If you want this kind of life, it all hinges on our response. And you've got three choices in this response. How many of you got spanked when you were a kid? Praise God, we got a good church. Okay, I got spanked, you got spanked, okay? That's not a bad thing. How many of you thought, Daddy, let me just give you a big hug after this because that was the greatest experience of my... Mm -mm. How many of you walked away angry? How many of you... Can I be real with you? I'm, I'm pretty transparent. How many of you walked into your bedroom, shut the door, and silently cussed and fussed at your parents. Okay? Mom and dad, I'm sorry, because <laughs> you're probably going to hear this message. Because we resisted it. Whew. Here's the thing. You have three responses to God's discipline. The first is this. You can resent his discipline bitterly. You can shut the door to that area of your life, spiritually speaking, with God, or at least think you are doing so. And you can cuss and fuss and be really mad about it. Why me? I can't believe you've done this. Look at all I've done. Look at the money I've given to the church. Look at the things I've done in this world. And here you, you given me this as my lot in life. So you can resent it bitterly. In fact, the author of Hebrews is quoting Proverbs chapter three when he says, my son, do not despise the Lord's correction or discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves or corrects those he loves as a father in whom he delights his son. Unfortunately, many of us do that when hardships in life come. Discipline not rightly received sours rather than sweetens character. It's a choice that you and I have to make. The second response could be this. You can accept God's discipline, but do so grudgingly. When these things happen in our lives, we can endure them, but I'm not going to be happy about it. God did it. I, yeah, I'm pretty convinced that God did it. It wasn't my fault. And I can't blame the devil for this one. But well, God, whenever this is over, you know, I can't wait for yeah. like having that sort of attitude grudgingly. Somehow we have the attitude as believers that we're above painful things happening in our lives. That I've been there. We get there because that's where we naturally go off course, going back to the nature of who we are rather than who God is designing us and creating us and forming us to become. We think that we should be protected from the hurts and the heartaches in life just because we signed up for this, but that's not true. God says, you'll go through it just like everybody else does, but you'll have the difference maker, which is me who can give you peace in the midst of the storm. Think about Jesus calming the storm. Who can give you love in the midst of a hateful sort of moment. Who can give you some grace where it doesn't seem like you could have any grace
to share or give to others. God can do that work. So asking the question, what are you trying to teach me? Even if you ask it through gritted teeth can really help you stay the course. And that third response is this. You can embrace it. You can embrace it willingly. And this is not the easy choice. This is the hardest choice out of all three of these. The writer of Hebrews tells us about embracing it willingly. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? In other words, he he says there very clearly that you've had a father who disciplined you. You've had an earthly parent who did this. How much more so should you accept and open yourself up to the God of the universe who created you? To embrace God's discipline willingly, you have to trust that he loves you. And I think maybe that's an area that all of us could grow in. Understanding the love of the Father. In fact, Jesus shares these words in the New Testament as he talks about pruning a tree. I find it really interesting, and you should go back and look through to see that passage and read it for all it's worth. We in our lives, in our understanding, how many of you have a green thumb? You'd say you, you got a house plant and still alive. Okay, one of you. Great, awesome. Uh, I had one that successfully lived for several years and then I left it outside a few days too long and it's done, it's gone. The human thing that we do if we don't have a green thumb is we go to the plant and we take off the stuff that's dying or dead and we get it out of the way so that we still have a pretty little thing in front of us. But Jesus says about the pruning that happens in your life that the good branches get cut back so that there's more production of fruit. He's been telling us this all along, that he disciplines his children. But sometimes we forget about it and we need to be reminded. And when, we're, when we really truly trust the love of God towards us, we can understand that his discipline is not in anger. It's not meant as a punishment. It's not meant to try to get us back for something bad we've done, but it's meant to drive us back or to help us stay the course. It brings life to us. James chapter one, verse two and four say this. James knew this because he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds and let steadfastness have its full effect in you that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Second Corinthians, Paul writes in chapter 12, for the sake of Christ, then I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Maybe the light bulb is hitting some of us today. Maybe now we understand that Paul understood God's discipline in his life. When our attitudes are right, God can help us stay the course in becoming more like his son. I want you to stand with me today. He wants all of his children to act like his children. In order to accomplish his main goal in your life and in my life, and that is that the character of God would be formed inside of each one of us. That's the only way that we can stay the course in this dark world, in this evil day that we live. To stay the course with God, we've got to allow him to discipline us.
we've got to allow him to say, like my coach said, again, when that time is right, and only he knows that, some of you today, in just a moment, we're going to pray, but I want you to be thinking about this. Maybe the Holy Spirit started dealing with you in the message because you've been resistant or you've been resentful towards God's discipline. Maybe today is the day that you say, you know what, I don't have that problem, but I don't know what 2020 holds and what hardships may lie ahead, but I'm going to make sure that I stay the course. And God, I'm telling you today, I'm gonna look at it as you love me, you care for me, you want the best for me. Maybe that's you, but maybe some of us need to really forgive God. And you say, how how is that possible? Is that even theologically, does that make sense? Well, if you're holding something against him, when you release it, that's called forgiveness. I've gone through some stuff in my life and I'm not alone. You've gone through some stuff in your life that maybe was undeserved, maybe the bad timing, all those things. But here's the thing. When we walk through this life with God as our partner, nothing can stop us. We can be shaken, but you will not be overtaken. I believe that with all of my heart. Are you listening to me? I believe that with all of my heart. Lord, I pray today over your people that in this last moment of worship, we would commit ourselves, dedicate ourselves to your discipline. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have a softened heart towards you today. Lord, that we would release the hurt that we've carried that's had your name on it. Lord, that today we would start fresh and God, that we would make that commitment heading into this year that Lord, we know that you're looking out for us and it's for our good, even though it's painful, it's producing a great result of righteousness in us.